Welcome to Empire Building, the podcast where we talk about building big businesses and even bigger lives. I'm your co-host, Seychelle Van Poole. I'm Sarah Reynolds. And I'm Via Williams. Today, we are talking about communication. Are you as good as you think you are? We're going to teach you eight communication skills that I believe will change your world. I truly believe that if you start mastering and working towards mastering these eight skills, like I have been the last two years, that it will truly increase your success and make you better at virtually everything you do in your personal life and in your professional life. So... You know, I have a very strong opinion about communication. I believe it is one of the most important skills for business success, period, end of story. I I actually, you guys, I think it's the number one soft skill on the planet for humankind. That, and you know what's cool? You know what's cool about the soft skill is it's one that you can improve and it's not one that you have to be born with. Yeah. That's yes, what I sure. love about this. So yes. if you're listening to this today and sure. you either think you're awesome, um, we might challenge you a little bit here and let's see how awesome you really are. But if it's an area that you feel like you've been told you can improve, this is this is the podcast for you to listen to for this this skill. It's gonna be awesome. Seychelle. Communication is essential for us. It's essential so that we Mm -hmm. can clearly share information, right? We can clearly share our ideas to to clients, to to our teams, to coworkers, uh, to everybody in the businesses we lead, to our friends and, and to our family, right? So I think that this skill is so important because I have personally gone through a transformation in my communication. And it started a couple years ago. I, you know, I, I was always pretty successful in business, mm-hmm. and then I had a huge career shift, as I talk about openly, yeah. which is I was a, a real estate agent and and ultimately led a real estate team for seventeen years, and in my late forties, um, left that to go into corporate leadership. So so now I lead eight real estate offices in in Western Washington. I have over fourteen hundred agents, uh, nine branch managers, and and a staff of about fifty plus people, right? It, my, my world changed mm-hmm. really quickly. Yep. And my my CEO trusted me a lot. You know, going from leading a real estate team of five to fifteen hundred overnight was a big yeah. leap. So what we decided is that when I started the job, uh, which was uh, in, a, in a September, it was in the month of September 2018, I started the job and I spent the first four weeks uh, meeting one-on-one with really everybody. I, I mean, I think I had mm. 30 one-on-ones. And we decided that that after that, I would kind of come to my conclusions of what I thought the initial priorities were for the role, right? We had a lot of offices and a lot of things to be cleaned up. So Ben and I, my founder, uh, set up a meeting. And uh, I got up to his offices in Bellingham and I was really excited to have a couple hours with him. I was, you know, just bursting at the seams with enthusiasm, just like you do when you have a new job yeah. right? and, and excitement. And, and, I, and I had so much information and I was just super excited to like collaborate with him for two whole hours yeah. on, you know, really what the rest of, of my year is going to look like, what I was going to spend my time on, what, what we felt like the company needed. So I get up there and, and we get into the conference room and I'm like, I'm so excited. He's like, me too. No, he didn't. But you know, I could tell <laughs> deep down. Really? I'm like, no, he doesn't. But I, deep down, I could tell that he was excited. And uh, we get there and he goes, wait, before we start, I have a present for you. I go, oh my gosh, you do? And he goes, yeah. So he goes back to his office and he comes back and he's holding a stack of books. It's like a stack of like six books. And I'm like... Mm. This is what you have to know back then. I was working, it's a new job, you know how it is, like a new career. I was literally, you guys, I was working 
I think I was working 14 hours a day, seven days a week. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I was mm-hmm. a little bit fried, still very excited. And um, and I looked at that stack of books. And to be honest, I was like, OMG, no. I cannot read six <laughs> books right now. Oh my God. That is... Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Ben. Gosh, that's wow. Okay. And and I didn't look at the books. If we're being honest, I was just so overwhelmed right. at that point, as excited as I was. So we we had a great meeting. So I I pick up the books and throw them in my car and I drive all the way home. It's like 90 minutes. And I, I get home and it's like 6 30 at night. And I throw the books on the counter and I sit down to dinner. And everyone's like, how was your day with Ben? And we talk about it. So after dinner, my husband goes, <laughs> that's funny. Who got you those books? And I go, what do you mean? What's so funny? And he goes, well, have you read the books? Do you know the titles of them? And I go, no. And I look at him and it's literally how to articulate what you want in 30 seconds or less was one of them. The other one was how to to say what you want in 30 seconds or less. The second one was the articulate executive. The third one was communication (laughs) for executives. The fourth one was how to master communication. Anyway, the fifth one was Simply Said by Jay Sullivan. So once I got over being butthurt that my CEO and founder clearly had a passive-aggressive way of telling me I needed to work on my communication. Um, and, and by the way, when I, when I joked, when I texted him, I go, oh my gosh, I just read the titles. And what he said to me was uh, one of the most complimentary things he's ever said to me. I'm not going to share it because I'm too... It, it would make me feel like I was bragging, but it was a very complimentary thing. And what I'll say to you about what he said to me is that you, know, you, can, master, you can have mastered every single soft skill there is. And if communication is not one of them, it's all for naught. Yeah, That's basically what he did say. Yeah. So I read Simply Said and it changed my world. I've now read it four times, listened to it twice, read it physically twice. I've had to get a new copy because uh, I've spilled so many things on it. And so a lot of what this is coming from today is, is those books. I, I have become a student of communication. I have studied every aspect of it. I've read entire books on how to tell stories. I've I, I, it, this this has been my area of focus now for two years. So what I'm that doing is today awesome. is sharing with everybody that the eight these eight things I have personal experience with. I have read and studied all of them, and I also want to share with you that that I, I will never master them. Yeah, you know, I'll never master yep. them. But this is a pursuit. Yeah, yes, all and, of us. And my, the level of mm-hmm. success that you know that I've been able to achieve just from this one thing has been monumental. That's awesome. Mm. That's awesome, Bia. So I, I'm, I love hearing that story and I love hearing um, sort of the foundation of, of what started us even talking about this episode, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's eight things. So I'm going to quickly run through those and then we're going to dive into each one. So number one is make it about them, not you. You want to speak, write, and present with, with your audience in mind, not you. So you, everything you do in communication needs to be about them. Number two, listening. Uh, active listening, be a good listener. Number three is less is more, which is difficult for us, uh, but we're <laughs> going to talk about that. Number uh, number four is be a purposeful communicator and don't fear the pause. Do not mm-hmm. fear the pause. Number five, tell stories. Number six, commit to being a good presenter and public speaker. This is something that you want to commit to. Number seven, you also want to commit to being a good writer. And number eight, you want to be likable. So how do you communicate in a likable way? Seychelles, I let's, love that. Yes, let's launch into number one. 
Okay, let's dive in. So I'm going to start off this communication um, episode on my end by I'm going to raise my right hand and I'm going to solemnly swear that when we go through these eight things that I will name the title of it first for you guys instead of jumping ahead like I may have done, I don't know, a few times on the podcast. So number one is make it about them, not you, right? When you're speaking, writing, and presenting with your audience, you need to keep them in mind, not you. And this is really the most important thing of all. Your content is not nearly as important as what the audience is going to do with it. They don't care what you're saying. They don't care... What they, they care about is right not what you're saying, but they care about how they can use the content that you're giving them and how it's going to benefit them. And you know, I think a lot of us have got experience now in presenting. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're an empire builder yourself, you probably have a lot of experience teaching, presenting. If you're in a leadership position, this is probably something that you do on a regular basis. And something that I, I have to applaud Via on is whenever we are about to teach a class or do an interview or put something together, the first thing that she will say is, okay, guys, what is it that we want the audience to get out of this? Yeah. That's a question you do really well, Via, and you ask that a lot is, okay, what what is the one takeaway that we want them to to get out of our class or out of our presentation today? Mm-hmm. And so when you're when you're focusing on the audience and how they're receiving your message, right? You really need to be amazing at reading the room or these days and reading the Zoom, right? <laughs> and and read the other per- people that you're interacting with both verbally and in text. And I, that takes a lot. Like I don't know about you guys, but that's taken a lot of practice to get yeah, to do that. I mean, the simple when way you're to presenting say that, and reading it at the same time. Yeah, and the simple way to say that is what's in it for me. What's in it for them? You have to constantly think that they're thinking, they're listening to us right now on this podcast. They're like, this is great. I don't care what you're saying. What's in it for me? Yep, absolutely. How does this affect me? How can I grow by this? How can I benefit by this? That was one of well, yep. That was one of one of the biggest eye openers for me for marketing. I always look at the piece, and everyone that's looking at anything you send, anything you do, they're asking themselves, "What what's in it for me?" And so now, Mm -hmm. when I'm why do I care? Yeah, when I'm teaching, like that's what I imagined on their forehead, right? What's in it for me? Everyone's thinking Mm -hmm. that, and and Mm -hmm. it sounds self like it sounds like. Well, no, they're not. Well, yes, they are. You are too. When you're listening to this, what's in it for me to keep listening to this podcast right now is what we're Mm -hmm. all thinking, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you guys, this this has changed fundamentally how I work and how I do business. And may I give an example? Please. The, the example is uh, I do webinars every week. Mm-hmm. And, and we do it to a, a real estate audience, you know, real estate agent audience. And, and the old VIA, I would say the VIA 1.0 before she became this, uh, the old VIA would have, would have just thought, okay, I think I know what my audience wants to hear and I'm going to present that. Right? It's kind of mm-hmm. logical. I think it's how like we mainly work, right? The Nuvia is, wait, I need to ask my audience. I need to research my audience. I need to follow them on social media. I need to read all of the real estate groups. I need to actively seek out what they want to learn, not what I mm. think they want to learn just so based good. on my gut. And so that, for, when you said marketing, it reminded me, Sarah, because this is so important, especially when we're doing ad copywriting and, and, we're, and mm-hmm. we're trying to framework our offers and, and what we're doing. You know, I, all I know is, is that this is... This right now, getting the data of what your audience wants. And by the way, that could be a spouse. That could be a spouse. And, and this, that, how we do it, here's the bottom line, you guys. There's one simple solution. It's asking questions. Yes. Engaging. Yes. Yes. 
It is. It's engagement. And and using, physically using the word you. Yes. Right? You are speaking, you are not speaking at someone. You are speaking with someone. You are in, when you're presenting or communicating, you are in engagement and in conversation and dialogue, whether your audience is one plus you or a thousand plus you. Yeah. Well, Seychelles, you said something really important just then, engagement. The number one way to engage your audience, and by the way, when we use the word audience, it could be one person, it could be an yes, audience of right. one. Yep. Right. The number one way to engage your audience is to be relevant. And the mm-hmm. more the more relevant you are, the more engaged they'll likely be. You know, engagements. I've read entire long form articles and listened to entire mm-hmm. podcasts just on engagement. And so, being relevant is the number one thing, and using the word "you" is the number two thing, Seychelles. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I mean that that mm-hmm. is so so key. But but I want to go back to that because this is about the audience. We have to stop thinking about ourselves, and we need to start thinking about them speaking their language. You know, delivering to them what they need, and and trying to trying to you know uh, uh, minister to them and and empower them. This is about mm-hmm. them, not us. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's how you move from via to vopra. Exactly. I have so many things to say on this one, you know, and, and we could do a whole episode one on, day that- on- uh, one, one, day, <laughs> one day there'll be two sopras. Sopras. And today, uh, by the way, we are missing our, our Wopra. We are. Uh, we're missing yes. Wopra. Yes. Yeah. We're missing Wendy today. Wendy's and being she's, an amazing daughter right now. She's our right wordsmith. Now. Yes, she's yeah, our wordsmith. She <laughs> she's exactly where she needs to be prioritizing exactly. her family. And we really miss our wordsmith yes. on the communication we really episode. Do. She's so one Wendy, of the most amazing communicators I know. And we yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so if number one is knowing our audience, Sarah, what's number two? No, number two, listening. Oh my mm-hmm. goodness. So much of communication is actually keeping your mouth closed and uh, in, in listening. Um, and for me, this is something that I've had to be super intentional about. It does not come natural. Uh, I always <laughs> want to be the next person to say something, right? And a lot of times I was, I was thinking of what I was going to say next versus actually yes. listening to what was being said. And I noticed I had to just be, t- take multiple action steps to really listen. So for example, a lot of our offices now have glass and it's be- glass is beautiful, right? But I noticed mm-hmm. that when I was sitting with someone, a team member... And something would happen outside my office door and uh, someone would pass or sometimes people come to the glass and wave. I wasn't listening to what the person in front of me said. And yeah. I actually ended up closing it, closing the glass to where to make sure that I can be an active listener. Mm-hmm. And so listening is such a key part of communication. People know when you're not listening. Yeah. And, you know, and one of my favorite quotes around that, Sarah, is um, one by Maya Angelou that says, right, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. So true. And if you want to make someone feel really good about how you're communicating with them, listen. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Listen. And the, yep. And the key with listening is really, it, well, communication, it, it's... It's not just about what you have to say. It's about truly hearing what the other person has to say, Mm -hmm. right? And truly hearing from them. Um, We did an exercise this week with my team where I asked them, okay, when you think of Reynolds' team, what do you think of? And it was really cool because I got to listen to how they felt. 
listen to what mm. they described us as. And it wasn't what I thought. It was what they thought, right? And then I changed some of my perspective because I was like, wow, my team just agreed that this is what we are, right? Um, and it's just so powerful when you hear from yeah. other people. And it's about yeah. really hearing them. Yeah. And and it's, I, I will, yes, to everything you all of you guys said, mm-hmm. I, I'll just kind of um, drill a little deeper, if I may. Listening is really hard for me too. And it's it's really the number one skill of interviewing people. And and one of my um, mm-hmm. you know, pursuits of the last few years, kind of a passion project, has been devoting myself to, you know, hopefully someday becoming a master of interviewing people. And I don't mean job interviews, I mean right. on camera or, or on stage. And um, that started by a failed interview, by the way. <laughs> you know, welcome to my life, all my fails. And <laughs> and and it, I would go deeper than that, Sarah, and say it, it's actually about trying to truly understand what they are meaning and mm. what their point of view is. Mm-hmm. So so what they're saying is good. That's a good start, right? Yeah. But it is being so actively engaged that you're truly understanding the emotion behind what they're saying, what their point of view is. My my little hack is, you know, are all five senses on this person right now? And and by the oh, way, I love you that. know, Zoom in person on the phone, same thing. Yeah. You can't mm-hmm. smell no smell yeah. vision mm-hmm. on, on yeah. Zoom or phone. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you know, for the I mean, if you're talking all five senses, I am trying to read their 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 body language. I've I've tried to become a student in micro body language, do their eyes shift? Did they did they just did, did they tense up ever so slightly, mm-hmm. ever so quickly? Yeah. You know, are they feeling uncomfortable? Are they squirming? You know, do I know this person really well? Do I know exactly what they do when they're not telling me the truth. And by the way, it's human nature. Everybody lies. Everybody lies every day. It's just part of our DNA. So it, a lot of that's uh, it, it, with a good intent. So are they are they lying in, in the sense of, are they not telling me because they, they're worried I can't hear something? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And, and one of the best things that has helped me around this is literally a blank sheet of paper and a pen. Yes. yes. And you turn ben, your, you turn your, your, you turn your phone to where you don't see it. Uh, yeah, flip none it of over us, and yes, put it on. Do correct, not disturb. Correct. Yeah. Uh, don't have email up. Literally in front of you have a pen and mm-hmm. a piece of paper. And there's nothing more respect, showing respect to the other person. And then also writing down for, for many of us, that's a another way of listening because you're hearing it. And then mm-hmm. you're also writing down what they said. You're anchoring it. Yes, yes. correct. Um, and so that is so, so key in listening is yes. just a blank piece of paper and a pen. Can I tell you when I'm interviewing like people for one of our companies, if they show up without a piece of paper and a pen, it's actually a red flag to me. And it's, yeah. a, it's a huge concern. Because I think, number one, you're not going to hear anything we talk about. And number two, how are you going to remember it moving forward? Or if it was a client, how is that going to go? You yeah. know, the other thing too that you mentioned about avoiding distractions, Sarah, is for the freaking love, please don't bring an Apple Watch or a oh. like phone, a, a watch <laughs> in that gets like 9 bajillion notifications. Yes. I had a client one time that I thought he was like really annoyed with me and needing to go and was late to another appointment because he kept twitching every time his watch would go off. And I didn't realize it was an Apple Watch. It's when they first came out. And he kept looking at his watch. And I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, am I like boring you? Do you need to go? <laughs> yeah. What's happening? And he was like, oh no, it's my Apple Watch. I was like, ah, I want to rip it off your I, I do have a news right flash for everybody. We can see you. You think you're being sneaky and yeah. you think you're, <laughs> being, you're being We can tell. Yes. See you yes. check your Apple Watch. Yes. Like, <laughs> and not listening. So, yeah. Take it yes. off. Put it in your pocket or whatever. It's really, it's really distracting. 
I just, I think it warrants saying on this listening segment, it's such a big segment. It is. Mm-hmm. I think it's one thing to be a really great listener. And, and Sarah, Sarah brought that up about notes. What, what notes do are two things, Sarah. They help you remember key points that you want to Absolutely. go back to. And it yeah. kind of helps you, I think, make your thoughts logical. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to mm-hmm. focus on what you're going to say next. So true. But it, it also shows respect. Mm-hmm. And, yes. and what it does is it shows them, it, 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 uh, it's called, a, it, the, the term is called validation. I've yeah. read mm-hmm. an entire book on validation that I highly recommend and uh, we'll put it in our show notes. And, and, and validation is the second part to listening. It's one thing to listen. It's another thing to show them you're listening. Have you guys ever talked to anybody who gives you no feedback? Yes. Yes. You're like, hi, hi. Are you? Can you hear me? Hi. Yes. Hi. Are you, like, what? Are you here? Yes. Are you no, mentally? You are you here? Me? You wanna, yeah. And, and there, there. I've read a whole book on this, and um, there are a lot of ways you can do microfeedback and macrofeedback. But you know, the important thing about validation is validate the emotion, even if you don't agree with them. It's like, wow, seriously. You know, those are just little validations, like mm-hmm. Sarah. Wow. Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. and then a longer form of that might be. Seychelle, oh my goodness, you must have felt so sad. I'm so sorry. And then and then you keep going, you know, don't forget. And that, that goes with body language too, nodding, mm-hmm. even yeah, a tear mm-hmm. coming down your eye, you know, yes. whatever the whatever the nonverbal validation is, that is a, such an important second component to listening. It's one thing to listen, it's the second you have to show them that you're mm-hmm. listening. That is how that's everything. Yeah. I, th- I mm-hmm. think I think one and two we could probably stop Love at that. one and two. They're so strong, yes. but mm-hmm. we're not going to. But we're going to keep going. <laughs> we're going to keep going um, because number three is is one of my biggest struggles. Listening, listening is probably my biggest struggle. This is my second biggest sure. struggle. Judging by the um, title, <laughs> the books that Ben <laughs> gave me, um, and, and number two is uh, less is more. Three, number three. Rivid- mm. Sorry, number three. Mm. See, I can't even. Uh, <laughs> less is more. Less is more. Every single word you use or write, challenge them. I challenge love that. every single mm-hmm. word you and I use. Love that, use yeah. simple, use easy to understand words and phrases. I love a big vocabulary word, just like the rest of them. But I actually try to stay away from them in, in certain circumstances. I want to be clear and concise, right? Yeah. And, and you know, this goes with written communication and, and verbal as well, yeah. uh, by the way. Yeah, I've, uh, I'm bringing up marketing again, because marketing is a form of communication, a big sure form is, of right? communication. But one of my coaches always says, if you look at any of your marketing, can a third grader know what to do? Is it Ooh, so, is it so simple? I love that. Is it so simple? That you could, mm-hmm. you could, you know, go to a third grader and they would know what to do. And that's actually how you should be communicating, not to be treating them like they're a third grader. But what I'm saying is it should be so clear and simple that a third grader mm-hmm. can understand it. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that's really key, especially with vocabulary. I don't mm-hmm. have a good vocabulary. So it bothers me when people use words that I'm like trying to follow what they're yeah. saying. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's really key to make it super simple. And since it's about you, Sarah, I don't want to presume anyone's vocabulary. So I, I, I prefer to stay simple and yes. not use big vocabulary words because I want to honor my audience. I want to honor you exactly. if I'm talking to you. And exactly. I don't know what your vocabulary is, right? Yes. Right. Now, do you guys want a few hacks on this? Well, one really yes. big hack. Yes. This yeah. comes from Jay Sullivan and Simply Said, and we'll put that in show notes. Um, so this, the hack to eliminating words is you focus on the action in each sentence, okay? So what's the primary action in each sentence? And then you find the best word for that action, and then you can shorten it. So here's an example, and this is from the book. This is an 11-word sentence. The project is delayed at the insistence of the manager. 
Okay. 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 11 words. Okay. How can we make the in, insisted is the word that we're focusing on. That's the okay. action mm-hmm. word. Mm-hmm. So then we can make that seven words. The manager insisted on delaying the project. Mm. Much better, right? Yes. Much mm-hmm. more clear yes. and mm-hmm. concise and Simpler simple. So that, yeah. that's just a simple hack. Like, like I'm always like, okay, what's the primary action? And then we do it with our titles of our podcast too, don't we? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Basically mm-hmm. holding yep. it down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I the other thing that I that I get out of this is if it's a visual presentation as well, like no more than one headline. If you're talking about like direct mail or if you're talking about a visual presentation, no well, I always use the rule of thumb of no more than three bullet points. Yes. Per mm-hmm. slide. That's yeah. really good. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it just makes it nice and simple and easy. So we're gonna go to number four. Number four is one that I have struggled with, um, which is be a purposeful communicator and don't fear. The pause. I love that. And in pausing, that's really hard to do, especially Super hard if, to do. as I've admitted on previous podcast episodes, right? Like I, I love, I love building cohesion. I love building teams. I love positivity. And so having to pause to me creates, it can create um, intentionality in your communication, but it can also create tension. And so I found growing up, I would try to fill the space if there was ever a pause in there because I didn't want it to feel awkward. Yeah. And sometimes as a parent, when you really need something to be felt, the pause is important. It is. And it's just as equally important in communication. Yeah. I learned one of the best classes that I ever took on communication is, was actually at my church and it was for small group leaders. And they talked about the power of when you ask a question... You must pause. And Mm. so many people, when they ask a question, they don't give the audience enough time to actually think and then answer. And so I learned a really Uh, quick... I love that. I learned a really quick trick. And I I teach all of my leaders this in my organization. Because the first thing I see when when they teach in front of me Mm -hmm. is they ask questions to the audience, which is great. And then it's like two seconds go by. And they're, they're like trying to fill it and they act really awkward. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's actually not awkward for the people listening because they're thinking. So to mm. them, they're, they're hearing themselves think. They're not hearing the silence that the person that asked the question is hearing. So I learned to count to 10 seconds. That's, ten, ten, that's right. Count 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. And typically 10 seconds is, is long enough time to give people enough time to think and then answer. And so anytime I ask a question, I'm counting in my head. I, that's my little hack mm-hmm. for that, uh, to 10 seconds, and then they will answer. Um, and so don't I, fear I the pause. The, I love the 10. And I physically, like to get in the habit in doing that when I would present, I would physically have to tap like very lightly, just tap the side of my leg when I would present because yep. I I would want to... <laughs> yes. Want to jump ahead of it. Now, there, pause is also really important in one other area of communication. And that is sometimes... Certain communications directed at you don't need to elicit an immediate response, mm. and I think I think all of us, if you if you've been around in business long enough or just in life, right? Someone has baited you or communicated with you in a way that you didn't like, and it elicited an immediate response. And I also want you to consider if you're if you're thinking about the pause to think about the intentionality of your response when you're communicated with as well, because sometimes. That pause gives you the space 
to respond more appropriately than maybe you would have otherwise if you had an immediate response. So think about that too. Yeah, I think all of us have had those moments. Me, sadly, this Guilty. week. This week. My hand is up. Yeah, <laughs> where <laughs> someone sends an email uh, or some type of written communication mm-hmm. and you just hit reply really quick and you just type what you <laughs> what you're feeling and then you hit the send button and it's like absolutely uh, pause is important if it's yeah. something that is emotionally tied or they or they are pushed a button uh know whenever someone pushes a button that's the most time that that's you need right. to pause that's the right. other and the other hack with that is don't respond with the person that you're responding to in the to line yet. Yes. I delete that out and then draft the email so I don't accidentally send it. I have to I really be sure I'm ready to send yes. instead of an accidental and then you get the retract of it. No, no. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And type text and notes first if they're going to be yes. a little, you know, if they're going to be important. That's a good hack. I think I think the last, you know, kind of thing I would just add to the great things you guys said on this one because of course I struggle with this. Of course I do. Everyone, I think everybody does. Yeah. Um, but but I think one thing I would add, you guys, is that what this has done for me is it's helped me be a better listener. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, is that I think that I had a cadence built into my communication style where I felt like I had to jump right in because of that awkward pause that we were talking yes. about. Yes. Uh-huh. And what this enables me to do is truly listen because I'm comfortable now in my own skin. I'm comfortable with the pause now. And so that mm-hmm. allows me the freedom to really actively listen and not be composing what I'm going to say or write during the listening phase. Yeah. And so by mm-hmm. having the pause, it, it just gives me permission in a way to, to think about and get my thoughts logical to respond. And so it's made me much more purposeful. You know, I think this is a really, really important one. And it, it's just kind of more of a habit. Almost yeah. than anything, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. yeah. you have to kind of get comfortable with a new cadence sometimes if you're used to that. So, so let's move on to number five, um, which is a really important one, and it's one we use a lot on our podcast. Mm-hmm. So our listeners are going to be familiar with this, but it's tell stories. Yes, and and the example I always give on this one is if if anyone grew up going to church like I did, I can tell you right now I cannot remember one sermon my pastor said growing up, but I can remember a ton of stories. Yes. I used to always mm-hmm. leave church service. We'd get in the car. It was so boring for me. I'm just going to say it. Like as a kid, you know, going, I mean, it's just not always fun. But I loved the stories and that stuck with me. Mm-hmm. People will always remember your stories more than they'll remember the things you said. Yep. And, and one of the things, one of the ways I've used this, I should say, and uh, I'd love you guys to kind of go into how to tell a good story. But, but one of the ways I've used this is in sales. Yes. Um, I think there's a whole bunch of really cheesy sales scripts out there. I think there's a yes. lot of amazing sales scripts and a lot of cheesy ones. A couple years ago, when I kind of devoted myself to communication, I started reading books. I've gone to a workshop. I flew to go to a workshop on telling stories. I've read a book on telling stories. It's that important. And, and I use this for objection handling in sales. I truly believe that, that having a cadre of stories in your tool belt for sales is way more impactful mm-hmm. than you know, a lot of the used car salesman scripts that I hear for objections. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I tell my team, uh, facts tell, stories sell. Oh, oh I, I love that. Because people, will, love people that. will remember the story and they will also, you can tie into an emotion. So it's like a, a lot of us know the feel, felt, found formula, right? right? When someone says something. And what I love about the feel, felt, found formula is, you know, you acknowledge how they feel. 
Um, you say that others have felt the same way, and then you tell the story. What we found was, and then you tell the story of what came about mm-hmm. based on uh, someone that recently had that same objection or that same issue. Uh, but using mm-hmm. a story to tie in, many of us can think back uh, about different things and we remember the story, right? So many of us heard Bia's tell the story about the book. We're going to remember that from this episode. Right. Uh, because it was a story, right. right? And so it's so important to use stories, not just facts or things like that, but using stories. And you know, the beautiful part about stories are too is um, I hear presenters say this a lot where they'll say somebody else's story, I give them credit for three times. And then after that, it becomes my story, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I get to tell it. That. I like that. <laughs> I have a yes, couple like know. that. Yeah. Yes. Where, but it, when, you hear, when you hear a good example of, of getting something across that you're wanting in a story, take notes on that and, and put that in, in, in your tool belt, as uh, Via says, because I think that it doesn't have to be your own individual experience no. that you can help somebody yes. learn through. No. Absolutely. And in, in fact, as leaders, you guys, certainly as sales managers, um, one of the things I try to do every week, uh, both in my real estate sales team and then also my corporate job, is I, I say, hey, I'm going to feed you some stories today. Yes, and, you know, Love and so that. that they can use the royal we, <laughs> yes. because my story is now their story. We're all in the exactly. same family, and I'm That's literally right. feeding them stories, and I teach them how to use them. That's yep. how strongly I feel about this. But um, a couple really quick like guidelines. I love the you know what Sarah just said, but just remember, every story needs to be succinct and clear. It needs to have a clear beginning, middle, and end. I highly recommend that you memorize your opening and closing lines. Yes. Be sure that you're really focused on the point you have in mind while you're illustrating the story. Yes. Right? That's so good. Draw them Beautiful. in and, and the feel felt, fa- the, the emotions, that what did yes. you smell? What did you touch? What did you feel? That, mm-hmm. That's all really good. And, and the last thing I would say, you guys, is a good metaphor is just as good. It's quick. You know, metaphors are wonderful forms of stories. You know, and yeah. I can mm-hmm. give an example right now. We all use metaphors all the time. Yeah. And those are great too. Yeah. Uh, number six. Uh, commit to being a good presenter and public speaker. And what I love about this one is it's it's intentional. I love the word commit <laughs> uh, because it's making an intention that you are going to, on purpose, be be master something, right? Um, my uh, director of growth, Sasha, who is such a key part of our uh, organization, she just finished Toastmasters, which is a uh, local... Uh, so great for people to do Toastmasters. Yeah. Yes, it's really good. but it's like learning to master uh, public speaking and being a good presenter and being intentional about it is so key. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, learning how to use a slide deck, right? Learning how to do a pitch deck, learning, learning how to, you know, learning how to get in front of people, even if you're, you know, an accountant, doesn't matter. Committing, to me, I think this is a verb. Yes. The action of correct mm-hmm. this will make yes. you a better communicator yes. in general. Even if you never truly need to do public speaking, I think it's don't don't gloss over this because you're like, well, I, I don't have to public speak ever. That's never going to be part of my world. Everybody should commit to being a good presenter and public speaker, mm-hmm. whether you're going to use it or not, because it will help you with these eight with the other seven things that we're talking about. Yes. That's why I feel so strongly. Because yeah. if you can present to, to other people, you're going to be really good at starting to focus on the main point. You're going to be clear and concise. You're going to be eloquent. You're going to focus on your audience. It's Mm -hmm. going to help you solidify the communication skills that we're talking about. Yeah. I I studied business in school. And uh, in in all the classes, you have to present. And you, you really have to learn how to present. And I remember... Uh, this the hardest business 
class at my school, they said, you've got it. The teacher's brutal. He will tell you to sit down if he doesn't think the PowerPoint is reaching people. And so I got up in front of him thinking, oh, I got this. Um, and I'm a good communicator and mm-hmm. didn't, didn't really be intentional. And I remember standing up in front of my big class. Um, it was uh, policy, business policy. And uh, sure enough, I had more than three bullet points on the PowerPoint. And he mm-hmm. said, this is unacceptable. Sit down. You've got to do this again. <gasps> wow. And he taught us the power of when you're presenting, you got to look at visuals. You have to look at how you're presenting. And honestly, that is a lot of what I do now is based on what he taught me, which was a failure on my part. But many times we do learn through failing, right? Yeah. That I think that's the best form of learning is either through our own failures or if we're lucky enough through somebody else's failures, right? So yes. somebody listening to this today is learning from your PowerPoint example, right? Yes. To move it forward. Do you guys want to hear one fun story and then we'll move of over course. to uh, <laughs> um, number seven? So I actually graduated from the UT School of Communication. Nice. That was like the major that I had. And I was in advertising. And when we went to our commencement speech, we just saw this title up there and it just said like CEO and founder or uh, founder of Sesame Street. And I was like, okay, well, that's interesting. It was our, you know, our commencement speech for our graduation. And what was interesting was up to the podium, it gets real quiet. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, pops up this giant blue puppet. And Aww. out from behind the podium was not the founder of Sesame Street, but Cookie Monster. That's oh, awesome. And Cookie, Cookie Monster, Monster you would have speech? thought the entire... Yes, Cookie Monster did our commencement wow. speech. And, <laughs> and I still remember it to this day because Cookie Monster pops up and you would have thought the entire graduating class went from a you know 20-something-year-olds <laughs> down to five-year-olds. Everyone was like, Cookie Monster! But what was cool about it was that the title of the commencement speech, I still remember because it was simple and it had a great story, was C is for communication. Mm. And what he was encouraging us to do as communication school graduates was to use our power of communication to benefit the world. And then went into sharing how Sesame Street has used the power of communication and storytelling to literally change and benefit the world for children. And... You know, when I think about that, right? C is for communication. And that is what we want you guys to do is become such good communicators that you truly have the power to change the world. I love that. I love that, Seychelle. That's such a great story. And, you know, kind of just where my head went was like right now, like, you know, when we talk about committing to being good public speakers, Zoom. Mm I mean, Zoom yes. is in, it can be considered public speaking. If you've got a Brady Bunch screen in front of you of, you know, nine, 12, 15, <laughs> you know, four people, whatever it is, yeah. um, you know, you're, you're in essence public speaking. We, this new age we're in, everybody has to have some uh, skills in this, right? Mm-hmm. And so let's commit to being really good in this. And I guarantee you, if you commit to it, whether you ever have a career in public speaking or not, it That's will right. help you be a better communicator. So, so let's true. let's move on to number seven, though. Uh, number right. seven is commit to being a good writer. And mm. here, here's what I'll say about this. As far as dominoes go on this whole communication thing, if you start with your verbal communication first, and you, and you really internalize this, listen to this podcast a few times, dive deep into the topics you need extra help on, that mm-hmm. will automatically make you a better writer. So I, I personally believe the first domino of this is actually your verbal communication. With that said, think about 
how much of our world is email, text, social media, yeah. blogging. We, we, we write. You cannot be in business and not be a good writer. So, uh, so there's a couple you know, uh, hacks. One of my favorite podcasts is Think Fast, Talk Slow. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend it. I'll put it in show notes. And he has got an amazing email format that I love and I refer back to. And that is, what, so what, and now what? Mm. So say what it is. Tell them why it's important. Tell them, you know, basically engender them to do the activity you want them to do. So ask them to do the activity you want them to do. So what, so what, now what? And there's a lot of other things. I use Grammarly. Grammarly is a a really great... uh, It it attaches to my Google Drive. It attaches to my Gmail. It it, it helps me on grammar. Uh, There's there's other apps you can use. Makes you look smart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What do you guys use? Anything? Anything? I surround myself. I surround myself by good writers. Awesome. It's <laughs> I, so important. I am, and and most things are not allowed to go off my desk without going to someone else first. Mm-hmm. So I struggle. It, I struggle so in this area. Out of all of these, this is my written. I'm horrible at grammar. I, I'm horrible at it all. Okay, <laughs> with this, and so I just have surrounded myself. We have a, an editor on staff, like because I. Nothing is allowed to go out without someone else. That right there, Sarah. That right (laughs) there is your hack, right? That's great. You have people edit anything that matters. That right Mm -hmm. there is really a great, a great thing to pass on to everybody. Yeah, I mean, for me, that's been key. That's great. We we are fortunate. We have three uh, English majors on our team. I almost feel like I now like you get like a check plus if that's in your (laughs) in your resume. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Oh, do you guys want to hear something? (laughs) I read I read a a big huge national survey. Out of the top three hireable traits, uh, written communication is number three. Uh, The first one was uh, leadership. The second one was how to be a team player. Like if they're a good team player, and this is assuming all the hard skills are good. Right, yeah. right, right. And yeah. then soft. if there are two resume, if there's two candidates side by side, any type of like you're tied with another candidate, they will mm-hmm. almost always hire the person that's better in written communication. Wow. That's so good. Mm-hmm. I believe mm-hmm. that though. I yeah. absolutely believe that. The other on the written communication, if you're doing like email or text format is like, think on bullet points mm. instead of yes. long paragraph form. You know, and then... I'm, I'm going to take us to number eight, which actually ties up a lot of the things that we've talked about before. Number eight is be likable. Now, that, that sounds kind of cheesy when you say it like that, right? Like, well, how do I be likable? Well, there's a lot of hacks actually that you can use to become more likable in your communication. And one of the first ones actually relates back to number one that Via was talking about, which is engaging the audience. Don't talk at your audience. Talk with them. And by doing that, there's a couple things you need to think about. You need to be confident about what you're presenting, but you also need to be humble. Um, It's okay to look less than perfect. And I know that some of you might be cringing right now because we all like to look good and we all like to be right. But actually, by being real and sharing your failures, like, my gosh, I mean, how many of those have we admitted to today yep. on this episode, right? It's, it's actually... It's, it's a sign of authenticity and respect for your audience that you don't think that you are holier than thou by never having had an issue, a challenge, a failure, or a problem. And so if you can be vulnerable in sharing where you are or what you've been through and ask for their input and guidance, it actually makes you more likable and authentic with your audience. So yeah. it's okay. You don't have to. You don't have to look good and be right all the time. It's okay to actually fail forward and, and share those because people will remember those more than anything else. 
Yeah, and there, there's a whole bunch of books and articles. It's kind of trendy right now about how to be charismatic. I mean, this mm-hmm. is kind of a topic. There's there's a new there's a charismatic behavioral assessment now. Like, how charismatic are you? And and a lot of interesting. How, I know. <laughs> and it, what that really is is how I mean, really how to be likable, right? It's a skill. Right. I mean, I know that sounds you know, that you can work on. And and all of the studies have shown that less than perfect. Uh, conveys authenticity and people yes. trust us more. And trust uh-huh. is the number one foundation of any relationship in your entire life. Do yeah, they trust right. you, right? Yep. In yes. business, it's especially important because, well, it's, it's important in, in personal too. But And in yeah. business, it's do they trust you as the person who's going to get them to their goals? If they join your organization and, and continue working in your organization, right? Yep. Do they trust you that, that they're going to hit their personal goals through you, right? Yep. Achieve them. Yep. And so one of the most important uh, ways to be likable is this concept of validation that I've been talking about a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And again, I'll, I'll put it, there's a great book on this and it's really good on Audible and it's really short. It's called I Can Hear You by Michael Sorensen. And, and it's really, really important to not just listen, not just do all the stuff we're saying, but to show the other person that you're listening. You have to validate that. There is many studies that show that you are more likable when you validate. When people mm-hmm. feel like you get them and you're acknowledging their, their emotions, it, it's, it's an overwhelming... That right there uh, can be enough. That's right. Yep. Well, guys, this was our longest one, but honestly, one of the, the, the most important Communication yes. is everything and everything we do. I learned a lot. I took a lot of notes. Some of the key things that I picked up on, remember everyone's asking what's in it for them, right? What's in it for mm-hmm. me is in their head. So you want to come at, at them with that, knowing that they're asking that. Mm-hmm. Be an active listener, you know, a pen and a piece of paper, the most powerful tools uh, to doing that. Uh, don't forget to pause. Don't, don't fear the pause counting 10 seconds, tapping on your leg as they shall, uh, whatever you need to do to make sure that you're yeah. not jump, jumping ahead. Uh, l- less is more, which is so key here. Um, and honestly, uh, I loved what Bia shared about the email. What, mm-hmm. so what, and now what? That was a huge, yes. uh, huge takeaway for me. But as always, I, I love you, my co-hosts. This was such you a great episode. <laughs> All right, thank you guys we so much too. for listening. And we want you to have a big business and an even bigger life. And remember, you are an empire builder. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening to Empire Building. If you like what you heard, join our tribe by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform and help us spread the word by leaving a five-star rating and review. Until next time, wishing you a life worth living. And remember, you are an empire builder.